Hey there, everybody. Thank you so very much once again for chilling out, hanging out, being with us on TLC Presents Conversations. We are pumped that you're here. We're excited about our guest today. We're going to have a great conversation about some cool stuff. Give it up, everybody, for my friend sitting over here, VP of Produce and Floral Operations at Sprouts, Andrew McGregor. Welcome, Andrew. Hi. It's good to see you. Thank you, brother. I'm glad you're here. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us a little bit and uh, chit-chat about the, the retail world. Same here. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. You know, one of the areas that um, I think is 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 not talked about a lot. Uh, you know, you look at retail and you're talking about trends. You're talking about new items, all this other stuff. But one of the areas that I'm really kind of think is cool and want to uplift a little bit is the area around merchandising. And I think it's an area that a lot of people, you know, in the business probably recognize it in some ways, but a lot of people don't recognize how big of a role merchandising plays all throughout the grocery store. Right, whether it's in caps, you know, ad placement, all that other stuff, and so that's something I really wanted to dive into today. And I appreciate you taking the time um, to hang out with us. And of course, one of the reasons that I think it's kind of cool to get you involved—not only are you got a big role doing a whole lot of other stuff uh, at Sprouts, let alone merchant being responsible for merchandising and all the other things you're responsible for—but you know, you've been merchandising a long time. It's been a big part of your career. Can you share really quick, just get going a little bit of your background and, and you know where you are and what you're doing and how you got to uh, wasting time with me hanging out on a, on a Zoom call? talking. Yeah, talking that's been BS. a long time of, of wasting time with you. Uh, that's hurtful. yeah. So I, I, I mean, that cuts me. No, that does cut me a touch to the core. I just want you to know. Well, we have known each other a long time. So I started um, uh, back in produce in 1993. Uh, it was like a year after I graduated from, from college, I thought I was going to do something else in the medical sciences and realized that uh, was not, a, not, not up my alley. Um, so I got a part-time job uh, at uh, Wild Oats Markets uh, from a friend that worked there, got me, got me into warehousing, got me uh, selecting pallets and stuff. I think at the time they had like seven or nine stores. Right. Uh, it, warehouse work uh, was probably above uh, more work than I, I was willing to do at, the, at that age. I was kind of a wimp. So uh, moved over to the store. I thought that'd be easier, and I uh, guess I was wrong there. So I moved up, worked my way up uh, uh, Wild Oats, all the way up to uh, eventually director of merchandising. I think they had uh, 110 or 111 stores. Um, right up until about the time they got uh, uh, the transition, about a year before they they uh, merged with Whole Foods. So uh, at that moment, uh, I don't know. Uh, coincidentally, I had I had transitioned over to the running the Henry stores in California. So I relocated out there in 2006. Uh, ran that uh, division for five years uh, while Whole Foods took over Wild Oats. And uh, and then eventually uh, we got merged with, uh, it didn't escape me, we got merged with uh, Sprouts uh, in 2011. And I've been uh, there ever since. I relocated to Phoenix uh, about two years after being with them and, and learning that business and helped putting those brands together. We, you know, acquired the Sunflower Market. So you had those three kind of independent, very similar market brands coming together. Sure. So we spent a lot of time getting that uh, organization, getting all the organization and processes in place and getting consistency to be able to go public. Uh, and then uh, since, I don't know, what, 2013 or 14, it's just been a wild ride of, uh, of overseeing the, you know, some pretty amazing growth and a, a ton of work uh, over the last number of years. So yeah, to, so today uh, overseeing uh, uh, merchandising sales and sourcing uh, for uh, Sprouts uh, produce and floral. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a big role, and, and which is the reason why I, I reached out and wanted to talk with you specifically about merchandise, because, you know, not only have you been doing it a long time, you're, you're award winning, you've been merchandiser of the year, you've got some accolades, you've been out there, you've set the bar, you've set the bar, 
You know, I mean, you, you know, you look at the Sprout stores today, that farmer market feel, the way you walk in, the way it's inviting, the way stuff is grabbable and the stuff is in front of you. It's it's you can engage with it. Um, you know, you guys, you guys have changed the way a lot of retailers have done stuff. I mean, you know, the, the biggest form was what's the biggest compliment, you know, being having somebody copying what you're doing. Right. So, I mean, and you see that around the country. Um, you know, people adopting that farmer, you know, that farmer's market feel. So again, I appreciate you coming out and sharing with us a little bit and, and uh, giving some tips to the trade and, and not, you know, not don't overshare. We don't want you to overshare, but you can overshare if you want. And I can always add stories too. I, I'm like, I know I can throw stuff on top of it if you want. It's not a big deal. To me. No, we'll save those. We'll save those. We'll save that for the blooper reel. Anyway, so let's get into it a little bit. So what is the exact role of a merchandiser? Well, I would, uh, it's, it's obviously different with different uh, organizations. And I, sure. I grew up, in a, you know, part of a, 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 a small natural foods. I've been doing that for, you know, the entirety of my career. Um, so it's, I'm sure it's unique to potentially unique. But, but for us and my history, the, the, the biggest role has always been, uh, you know, the training, the mentoring, the knowledge sharing. It's that point of contact because typically what happens uh, in a lot of retail is you've got, uh, you know, and, and especially today, that produce team and produce manager, um, you know, their knowledge of produce is what they what they see at the back of a truck when it pulls up uh, delivering uh, their product. And that's the extent of their knowledge. And it is uh, it is crazy. And that was mine back at Wild Oats when I started. I had no clue. Um, but when you get folded in uh, to the to almost the magic of what's happening behind mm-hmm. the scenes of the products and the farm, and then you start getting visibility to the industry uh, and the importance and power of that. Uh, today, that merchandiser has got to c- carry that torch, in my opinion. It's got to carry that down to the store and find ways to get those team members a l- share a little bit of that light that keeps that fire burning. Um, right. I that's a core job because if you don't do that, if you don't get, if you don't, if that merchandiser doesn't have a way to, to kind of almost preach in a way, to, right, to get these people committed to feeling like there's purpose and there's importance to what they're doing uh it, it, that that light can burn out and then everything else becomes semi-meaningless uh, the, the other things they're doing is of course you know we count on them for um you know managing all those those factors that they have to kind of know about what are your sales targets what are your margin what is the shrink what is the turns all the basic stuff we got it you know there's some fundamentals of the business that have to come together and typically that merchandiser is the kind of the funnel uh, where all of that's going to come. Cause you know, we've got a, a lot of that's coming from different areas of the business and really the one point of contact before it hits the person in the store that cares the most about produce. There's one point of contact that merchandisers has got to pull all that together, communicate that well uh, and make right. sure that message is delivered about here's, here's why this is cool. Uh, and here's what we got to do uh, to get the job done. Um, right. So you know that I so that's fundamentally I think what they are. The other piece is they you know they we uh, we would love to rely on them to take all of this all, all of those kind of tactical responsibilities um, and put those together and find a way to tell a story about that at store level, right? Because ultimately the produce manager has to understand this story and their role in this story, uh, and then they got to bring it to life, right? Because that's uh, you know for all the produce folks out there, probably from every level, we know that. Ultimately, the last point of contact uh, with with this this with our products is that produce team, and if that's not done done well and done right, everything else upstream was a waste of time. Um, right. So it, it's a it's a it's a big deal, and I think if we, we've always tried to treat it as a, as as a big a deal as I think it is. 
Well, I agree with you 100%. And I got to tell you, you use the word mentor, uh, purpose, all in that, which is like, okay, now you got me hooked. You're using all my buzzwords. You're using the words to get me fired up, right? So, and I, and I agree 100% with what you're saying about creating that picture. Right? And, and merchandisers, in a lot of ways, are really unsung heroes of the retail sector. Yeah. Right. Because because you are, you know, you got the buy side and they're represented by what goes on the shelf. Right. And so it's very easy to judge. You have a really crappy strawberry, you have a really good strawberry, whatever. It's, it's, it's pretty easy to see that. But the artistry, the tapestry that you've created to funnel people, to get people to think, to inspire them to purchase is, you know, they're painting that picture for the consumer. So share with me a little bit or just give me some examples, maybe of like, how do you communicate with consumers like through merchandising? You know, obviously sign packages, et cetera. But I mean, you know, and that's really low hanging fruit, right? I mean, but yeah. how do you, how, oh, hey, look, I'm low hanging fruit. That was a produce joke. I'm on fire today. I'm on fire. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll wait for the apples to oranges co uh, comment here coming from you soon. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I would say the, uh, what, well, produce is a unique, uh, uh, I would say it's a unique, uh, well, we know this, it's a unique industry, but it, it's unique in, in, in ways that I think we have a common language with the customer. We don't have to, there's a lot of, you know, if it's packaged grocery or other, other areas of retail, you really, you've mm -hmm. got to start from square one about uh, understanding, you know, communicating what the product, what the need, developing all the strategies behind that for produce. You know, most people know what a banana is. They know what a banana tastes like. Uh, in fact, you know, probably produce is probably the first thing they were ever fed as a baby, right? Eat your peas and carrots or whatever, right? So, so you've got some commonality there that you've got a language. And I think understanding, understanding that is core uh, and understanding your customers, uh, where they're coming from and their language, because I think they do, you know, and I think that's where e each format um, is a little different, right? Because each customer and each customer, we all know that is a little different and you've got to understand these things and people uh, relate when they can kind of speak the same language and have a dialogue that can build from that. So mm -hmm. I think merchandising in some ways, we're at, we're at an advantage of we don't have to start from square one. The disadvantage mm -hmm. is the complexity of produce is so I can't put a bunch of labels on the back of a box for you to turn around and read. I got to share, I got to share this with you in ways. That, and I can't put a sign that you're going to sit for five minutes and read at, you know, probably knee height. So it's through merchandising, right? It's through, it's through display building. Uh, it's through the product um, and the tie-ins and the location. Um, so I think that's where, where, uh, you know, for, for, for us, I think it's understanding what is that, what is the point when you're mm -hmm. communicating with the customer? So what is, what was, mentioned that what is the story right what is the story of this is this story like i've got a deal uh at a fantastic price uh i just need you to buy some because i i you know i got some grow returns we got we got to make this work right because i right. We, you want this i want this let's do this uh if that's my point then then the how you communicate that to a customer changes right that might be i'm communicating that in an impulse high traffic area nice big price sign, a nice big display, right? Stuff flowing all over the place. Doesn't need to look pretty, needs to look. In fact, sometimes customers like things that look shop because something must be going on, right? There must be a reason everyone's over there. What am I missing? You got to right. create that. It also may be a moment where I'm, uh, you know, we're going to, we want to communicate something a little more complex. Um, you know, we've got a, a meal solution or a, uh, or a, I don't know, a, an emerging uh, variety of, of Apple or something else. And I got to talk to you a little bit more. So that's where I think we would use like a destination area. Find mm -hmm. a place where customers can, you know, using those places where you know you can have that kind of conversation. If it's hopefully it's face to face 
which is harder and harder to do these days, right? But I think that's again, that's that's the advantage of being in a uh, in a you know four walled box. Is is I I've got people there. We can we can have those conversations if if right. we can get them up to speed and educated. But I think understanding those basic kind of constructs of this produce language uh, and how you use product, how you use point of sale signage how you use location within the store, whether it's in your core of your department, outside near maybe a deli or meat department, what is the occasion you're trying to talk through? What's the mm -hmm. seasonality? I think all those things kind of come in, which again, part of the role of merchandise, you got to understand that's a lot, lot to grasp, right? We're, a lot of dependencies on understanding that and being able to put that into action. Well, it's, again, it's like you're painting a picture, right? So, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, yeah. there's a story to be told. I mean, if you just, if you, you know, I think sometimes consumers think that, you know, produce grows in the back room of your stores anyways, in a lot of ways. And so for you to be able to get past that and to get people to become engaged with their food and turn them into somebody that's going to try something they never thought of before. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's part of the responsibility too. I would imagine your stores, you know, you, you talked about consistency and kind of that look, but you know, your stores on a national scale, um, they pretty much are pretty recognizable from city to city and store to store. I mean, you don't really have, 17 different things or appearances going on out there. And some, some retailers do, some have a lot of, but you guys are pretty consistent with that feel in, in all of your stores, at least my experience around the country. Why is it important, you think, to have that consistency of that look? This episode of Toddversations is brought to you by Moxie Marketing, an award-winning, full-service marketing agency specializing in all aspects of the fresh food and produce industry. Let's all get Moxie. Connect with us at getmoxie.com. That's G-E-T-M-O-X-X-Y.com. Uh, yeah, when, you, when, you, when we think about, because um, I agree with you, a, a lot of our stores do look similar um, as far as just the general layout. There's some things yeah. that are purposeful in that, right? Uh, um, some of it's a, a product of of things that, that this format and this particular brand learnings we've had. I mean, this, you know, the Boney's, Stores have been around since the 19, you know, 40s and 50s. So there's 75 plus years of learning going into this uh, right. that uh, dictate some of these things that uh, that do give probably, you know, uh, communicate with a customer uh, in a way that I probably, you know, only being around for whatever, 27, 28 years. I don't get it, uh, but I respect it. Um, so that's part of it. But I, I would say, you know, a company like Starbucks or somebody has got to have consistency because there's some of those fundamental things that I need. You need a customer to understand when they come in. Right. I can understand uh, this is going to be comfortable. I know what to expect. I know the quality expectation. I know I can get consistency. And so all those kind of things that I want you to you're going to want to go in and feel anywhere you go. I'm mm -hmm. going to have the same look and feel because that's important that your product is all dependent on that or the ability to walk in. You don't. Sprouts, I would say, for, for me anyway, in my history, I, I'd, I'd actually less interested in how they look the same. Uh, I'd rather them feel the same, you know. Um, I'd, I'd rather that's what you, if you went into a Sprouts and said, oh, you know, you walk in and it feels fresh and feels vibrant uh, and engaging uh, and interesting and I don't know, maybe even exciting. All those kinds of emotional responses that, that produce can bring from people because it's just so fundamental to who we are and who we've been. Um, if I could do that, that's way more important to me than everybody looking alike. So if every store sure. started to look different, you go, you know, into a store in uh, Orlando, Florida and one in Seattle, Washington and go, am I in a Sprouts? This looks, you know, the tables are different. The displays look a little different, but it felt the same. That energy that was authentic uh, mm -hmm. and core to who the, the format is. I think that's what it's about personally. I think the looking the same, there is some 
you know, uh, that's easy to say when you got like, you know, 10 or less stores, when you start having hundreds of stores and right. 20 plus states, you got to have some fundamentals or guardrails around uh, the basics of, of operation, like, like a Starbucks. I do have some quality, uh, you know, minimums that need to be met, uh, assortment or variety things that have to be done, right? That's part of our fundamentals of business. Um, and so we got to have some structure to that, um, especially with, uh, I, I'm guessing, you know, you're, you're dealing with this in some ways, or certainly, you know, we're all aware of the challenges with resources, labor, not only just finding people that work in the industry, but finding people that want to stay in and be committed right. and learn. Um, so we, we've got to create some fundamentals there through our format and uh, our fixtures and our processes that make sure that some of those basics get done in case the the people in those stores are just too young or there's just not enough of them to get that done. Um, so some of it's that. And I think it's, those are considerations that have become more, more important for, for me to consider and, and manage against in the last, you know, five or six years than it would have been, you know, when earlier in my career. Killer answer. I mean, it really is. It's a killer answer. And it, and it, and, and you're right. I appreciate, I appreciate the perspective that you brought up because it isn't, that the feel is the most important thing, right? I mean, walking into a to a retailer and the first thing you smell is that they have a fish department. That's just a turnoff, right? But to walk, I mean, seriously, we've done it. We, we've walked into grocery stores around the country, you know, but to go in and have that, to your point, to be able to create some excitement when you walk in, to be able to walk in and get to turn shopping into an experience as yeah. opposed to, a, you know, a hassle or whatever it is, it becomes something that people are like, I look forward to. I mean, that's a gift, right? To create that vibe like that. I mean, and that's, I would think like a merchandiser's dream. Yeah. And I, I mean, and, and you know, and, and with uh, the uh, competitive nature of e-commerce uh, and all the, uh, the convenience options that customers seem more and more inclined to take advantage of, uh, right. we're going to have to get better and better at this, that part of the, uh, our role in this, uh, in this industry. Because if we don't, um, you get a lot of things going against us. Well, what do you think? Yeah, well, no doubt. I mean, e-com certainly is a game changer, right? I mean, e-com certainly making everybody stop and pause for a moment. But, you know, to me, produce is the only place in the grocery store that you can actually touch and feel and be a part of the experience, right? I say this all the time. Like, you're not going to walk up to the meat guy and say, let me smell a ribeye, right? I just don't think that's going to happen, right? Or, you know, how are you going to get excited about seeing a roll of paper towels? But produce is interactive, right? You're making choices. You're able, you're actually able to choose from a hundred different gala apples right there the five you want to take home we don't really get that right it, it's, it's yeah, it is much right. more personal so I, I appreciate that perspective what do you think like like a misconception what's what's kind of a um, maybe one of the biggest misconceptions about merchandising in your opinion um uh by the way i was thinking the last time i got excited about a roll of pa paper towels was probably about a year ago when you couldn't find toilet paper uh and then you had, <laughs> had to improvise uh <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you might want to edit that out. The um, oh, we're going to keep that one. Uh, well, it's honesty. Uh, the uh, the I would say the misconception that that we tend to get into is the uh, that I do anyway is sometimes you you mentioned all these different things that produce has right. I mean the the complexity, especially this time of year, if it's or if you're in summer, I guess any time you know depending on the category, but particularly for those produce folks, June and July and August are uh, you know, you've got more things, more stories to tell than you could possibly ever get done. And right. I think we struggle uh, and I struggle with trying that, that uh, trying to think uh, that more is better 
so if I can get more of more things onto this display and tell more stories around, oh, look at all these cross merchandising ideas, uh, you know, because you you can go and go and go, right? If we got a grilling theme, oh, we can fundamentally base this in corn, and then I can we can start having lots of fun, and we can start getting in portobello caps and oh wait zucchini and uh you name it right we start no you can grill peaches you can grill watermelon heck i have a grill half a romaine like all of a sudden your display that felt really cool I, idealistically or whatever from i guess from a conceptual standpoint is overwhelming right right and it's overwhelming and you lose the whole point uh and it's kind of like i think customers uh, just like those that um have ever set a wet rack in the day or at least work a department and know the importance of clean lines, good color breaks, all these things, because you're trying to get that, you're trying to, at least I, I see, I've always seen is you're trying to have something that's pleasing to the eye. That's, that's uh, understandable, predictable uh, so that a customer can feel comfortable. And it's in, in, if it's too much going on, it tends to be overwhelming. And I think people tend to not like that feeling, uh, even if the concept was cool. So I would say less is more, um, yeah. you know, frequently. And that's one of the things, again, we struggle with it, uh, you know, in my, you know, in the, in the early days of kind of the farmer's market for, uh, format, it was stack it high, watch it fly in the purest form. Um, and as customers uh, and expectations evolve, you, you have to evolve with that, uh, you know, and growth in, in organics or other things. And you've got folks that, you know, customers that are expecting better things and different things. And so trying to merge those two without losing the point or the story is, is, is not, not easy, but it's always, it's good, good, good spend of time. That's fantastic answer. Thank you for that. That's, I mean, that's insightful to say the least. So let's, I mean, it is truly, I mean, it's, it's, you're right because we have a tendency to, you know, at times to go, oh, this worked. So let's do it five times bigger. Let's do it five times more. Let's add five more things to it. And we, yeah. and in the original message, your point, the original message is lost in translation, right? The original goal, which was, which was probably a fantastic goal ends up being so diluted by so much other stuff that, you know, there's, there's value in being simple as much as, you know, as anything else. And I think it's, you know, when it comes to stores, when you have so many choices, to your point, so many choices, so many colors, so many things going on, if a customer feels overwhelmed, it's, in my mind, it's almost like these blinders come in and they're only going to focus on what's sitting on that list as opposed to garnering that experience. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. for sure. So with kind of leading into that, I guess my next question would, would be is kind of rank the importance when it comes to, from a merchandising standpoint, between price, location, and appearance, right? I mean, obviously, if you have a piece of shitty fruit out there, that kind of speaks for itself. But those three, those three all go together in your merchandising scheme. So how do you, how do you play with that when you're thinking about it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess the appearance and, and quality are always tricky, right? Because it's not necessarily, the two don't necessarily, uh, aren't always linked. Something that looks good may not eat well. Uh, it may just be, uh, you know, uh, farmed and bred for shelf life and appearance, right. and actually be a, be a really disappointing experience. Um, but uh, you know, and I think you know, especially on on uh, you know the kind of this format, the you know that that price and quality, that value equation has always been critical to, you got to hit that mark really well. And you got to, that's part of the conversation of, with the customer and knowing that customer and where they're expecting that relationship to land. Uh, you got to know that. Uh, and you got to be able to, to balance that because you can go lots of directions. So I'm always going to lean to quality 
first, right? The product has to be the hero. Um, and I think that's just fundamentally, that goes back to like that merchandiser's role of, you know, communicating the purpose of what this is all about and the purpose of what this means to the business and the meaning of what this means to the customer, right? Why are they here? Why do they turn left, not right? All those kinds of things, you got to understand that. So if it's not about the product, uh, then, you know, that you're, in, in my opinion, you're disrespecting or dishonoring everything that happened, not only upstream from that, from the, the farm to the supply chain to the, you know, the people in the back of rooms of, of, of our stores to get this, make this happen, but all the history behind it, right? I mean, this has been part of our history for hundreds, thousands of years, um, right. possibly the oldest profession selling produce, maybe older than the other one. So, um, I would say, so that's always going to be the first one. I would say the right. second one is a uh, location um, because that that's part of the telling the story around what you're doing. Right. And I think that's as far as the point of the store. And that's sure. one of the things we've always pushed pretty, pretty. Uh, it's always been ahead of the head of the uh, list of other objectives in the store, which has always been nice about uh, this format is is the respect and uh, of produce being fundamental to who we are as a format. And that's the stuff, like I said, back to the Boney's family in the 1940s and 50s. It started there and it stayed there. So uh, I think we we accent that through what we tell the customer and placement. So, you know, you got to have good product and then you got to put it in a place that shares with the customer. This is important to us and we think it should be important to you. Um, and I think so that starts there. The price thing, like I said, I think you know, we got to have, if you're not relevant to your customer and uh, their need to feed their family and your role in giving them healthy choices uh, and hoping they, you know, they'll grab an apple instead of a bag of Doritos or they build some of this muscle memory around, uh, you know, snack foods and healthy opportunities and, and you know, the, the joy that you can get out of, you know, making right. a meal with your family. We got to give them opportunities to do that. So price is important, but I, but I, I think you got to start with product and the quality of it. Well, yeah, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a big believer that quality, you know, quality product is a positive cost of food, right? I mean, it, it really is. Yeah. And um, it, to me, it should be celebrated guys to your point, you know, you talk about stuff that looks really great and you know, it absolutely eats terrible. It's all about the fact that it was able to get somewhere get through, you know, get through the inspection at the warehouse, sit there for a couple, two, three days till it spins out, go on the shelf, gets the consumer. And it's like, it sucks. Right. I, yeah. I mean, that, that needs to, you know, that, that just doesn't do anybody good because to your point, we're not working to increase consumption by doing that. We're certainly not turning people on to whatever that commodity might've been. So if you're out painting the picture and, you know, they let you down on that side of it, that picture gets a little bit out of the lines as well. So just yeah. what's, what's the best spot? You know, in your opinion, what's the best spot in the store for produce? I mean, because you guys are a little different. Like you walk into your stores and you guys really embrace yeah. the front of the store with stuff. You do. Some of your stores are, you know, you got some big displays coming in and then you've got other stuff that's going on. Is there in your mind or in your opinion, is there some place that like really you feel like that story, that painting, that easel is set up that, that really captures people's attention? Yeah, it's it, it's for, this is specific to this format, right? I, I can't speak to, to sure. others. It's that it's that entryway display for us because, like I said, we've got that relationship with the customer, uh, and and we have sh that display historically. If if it didn't shift at least once a week, it was sometimes twice or three times a week. Um, the complexity of overlapping promotions and events and opportunistic buys and all those things just is fundamental to the history of this format. 
And that was the most flexible place that we had uh, that required, you know, and and it captured customers expected if there was something going on, we're going to do it there. So the entryway was a story. What we struggle with sometimes there is the attention span uh, of the customer is um, mitigated, right? Because it's busy. They're trying to get in. They're trying to get in. They got they got somebody hitting them the butt with a cart. They got somebody coming the other way with bags and getting in their way. Right. They got you know, right. who knows what's going on. In addition to everyone else wants in this space too. So I got you know I got some we got a floral display. I got some demo going on in meat. You know so it's it's a little overwhelming, mm-hmm. and that's a part where if you if you're not simple and easy on those impulsive things, it can just tell your message, grab it, get let them get out of the way and into the department. Uh, but that's the biggest. I'd say the the other piece that uh, with this format. Uh, that we've tried to stay true to is just keeping that. Um, I think it's, and I think it's true to the industry that that uh, flexibility in what we call the buy area, right? The, the middle, the heart of the department. You know, that's mm-hmm. unique to this format is putting produce in the heart of the store, right? And in the heart of that department is is where it's all happening. So it'd be, you know, that's kind of where everything is pulsing out from there. Um, so that's where I would want the customer to go next. Is like if we care about something. You, we, we better be doing something here because that is really driving the seasonality and the theme and that, that overarching, um, you know, story has to start there. And sometimes I can only tell a little bit of it in the entryway because I know my limitations sure. there. But, uh, the, uh, you know, outdoors is great. Uh, it's harder and harder to do these days. I love the curb appeal. You can have all sorts of stuff going on, but, uh, you know, for, for those other retailers out there with uh, regulations and safety and everything else, it's just getting tougher and tougher to have the kind of flex. Plus weather, global warming's not helping with, with burning yeah. everything out on the outside. You only get like two months worth. It. It's not like under eight <laughs> for degrees. Sure. For, for sure. But, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit. You got, you know, really your work is about creating that experience, right? Creating that impulse buy. Produce, the produce section is an impulse buy section, right? If you walk in and see a really killer whatever, it's like, oh, I can work with that. Oh, I want to get that. Or I see something on the wet rack that I wasn't thinking about in my meal planning for next week. It was like, oh, I'm going to put that into it. You have that opportunity because of really the way you merchandise, the way you lay out, and exactly the point that you made about those touch points that are invigorating the consumer. And, and even though, even though to your point, you know, you, you come into the store and it's your bumping butts and all this other stuff and people are in your way, you're still putting that impression of like, Oh, you know, they've got this over there. And even though maybe I didn't get to those, but I'm going to see him again when I get over there, whatever the case may be. And you're working, working that impulse to him, which I think is great. Yeah. And, talk- I, and I think if you, I'm oh, sorry, I'm no, just going to, go. I'm just going to add on that. I would say the, uh, that's part of knowing your customer too, and building that, that language and trust. Right. If they trust you and they know that they can depend on you, then you can start using that in your merchandising. Right. So you can you can start putting dragon fruit at the entryway, even if they haven't had it, if they never tasted it, even if it's four to six dollars a unit. Um, they trust that you wouldn't put it here if it wasn't cool, if it wasn't important, if I shouldn't right. try it. Right. You can start using and building momentum off of that rather than, you know, if you, I think if you, if you don't take a strategic approach to that, uh, you, you eventually blur those lines. Yeah, for sure. That makes uh, that makes total sense. Let's shift gears a little bit, and because this is part of your uh, <clears throat> responsibility as well, how much does the buy side influence the merchandising side, and and you know, kind of how are they connected? Uh, I'm, well, they have to be. I mean, we know they have to be connected at the hip. Sure. Um, right. Um, I guess the two two ways I would I would think about it. Uh, one would be the buy side is uh, fundamentally 
uh, here to provide the toolbox um, for us to, to, to bring this story to life at store, right? So and that's got to start with the customer. Uh, it starts with what do they need and expect? So why are they there? And then uh, what is the kind of strategic sales plan that we have, right? In, in understanding that and what are, what are the kind of, you know, the, the sales and margin, all those other things that have to happen into the, to make this viable. Uh, it starts there and goes up. So I, I, you know, from our buy side, they have to be connected. They have to know what that is and everything they're doing on that side has to be driving towards delivering a best in class experience for the customer there. The other part, this is the part that, uh, you know, this, this format, uh, and getting uh, the opportunity to be a part of it was, was, uh, invigorating is you're also the second side is you're, you're dedicated to the upstream needs, right? So that buyer uh, is working really closely with growers, uh, and other, you know, vendor partners on what their needs are and they've got needs too. Uh, and to keep them viable and keep this relationship, uh, and this engine running, and so you've got to be responsible to that. And you have, you know, I think our job as merchants uh, is, is, is peddlers. We've got to sell this stuff, right? And if they need help or they've got an opportunity or, or and it greases whatever wheels necessary, theirs or ours, uh, we have a responsibility from a downstream. So I have to be responsible to that need. And if, I'm, if I get disconnected on either one, I try and do things for the, bot, the, for the grower or the vendor that don't make sense for the store, or the customer, or vice versa. I'm trying to do something I just can't deliver well against because I haven't built the upstream infrastructure to do that. And I'm and I'm going counter and trying to do things that I just haven't earned. Um, you know, you'll break. I love, it. I love that. I mean, that's that's brutally honest, and I would agree with the 110 percent. Right. I mean, because yeah. it is it is a, it's it's a process. You are right. They are connected to the hip, and and that even though it may be a great opportunity, it may not be a great opportunity on the up or the downside of the model. Yeah, right, right. for sure. So look, so with that being said, and just kind of expanding it a little bit, tell me a little bit about the ad process. You know, when you take and all of a sudden you look at something and, you know, how's the ad process influence the merchandising? And, and, I, and I ask this question because I think this is something that, you know, I know over my career of experience, you guys deal with it all the time, but, Let's say you know, we'll pick a commodity. We'll pick, let's say, strawberries. You got a massive strawberry ad, right? It's in the paper. It's on the website. It's you know, buy one get a hundred free, whatever the hell the ad is. And Mother Nature goes, yeah, that's great. I'm glad you have an ad, but we're going to rain now for four days, and your ad means nothing. What do you guys do, right? <laughs> so, so it's a two part question. Give me a little bit about the ad process, how it influences, but I want to come back to like, you know, because I think people, you know, people look like, oh, sorry, I don't have it. It's raining. It's like, okay, but. You know, and once they hang up the phone, it's like, got that over with. But your life is jacked, right? So you have all these things that are happening now. So I want to touch on both of them. I know I threw both questions at the same time, but I wanted yeah. to set the, that one up to kind of know that I wanted to get to that one too. Yeah. And speaking of jacked, it's usually the produce, the, the store team that's jacked, right? I, I just yeah. have to do, I've got some explaining to do. Uh, right. They're the ones that have to deal with this, you know, for 14 hours during the day of, of constant questions and complaints. So I, you know, credit them for dealing with that when we, when some, something gets in the way. I'd say the ad process, Todd, is, is, is kind of like we were saying earlier around um, uh, building that story. Uh, and I think you, you may mention the puzzle uh, of how to put this together, right? And you, I guess you've got to figure, are we doing 
because uh, sometimes it depends. Am I starting with my sales strategy? Am I doing that? What we were saying as far as this is this is my plan with the customer. I have an idea of a sales plan of the products, the season. What what am I what am I going after? What are the things? What are the opportunistic deals I've got? What am I trying to introduce and maybe be a little bit disruptive in my assortment or create a really strong point of difference that's driving loyalty uh, right. uh, and just engagement, right, and interest. All those kinds of things. You've got a sales plan, and I think tip, an ad should amplify that, right? It should be the way that I'm 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 sharing that with a customer in a way that could be: is it about price? Is it about these things I want to tell you stories? Is it about sharing what I what we what we are, we must care about it because you put it in your ad? Uh, is it that or the other way, right? And I think uh, this format can bounce. It can be really driven on. I've, I've got to take care of some upstream needs and here's the way that I can make that work. And then you've got the other direction. And we, you know, we, especially in the last couple of years, we've been uh, navigating those waters and trying to find that, that real sweet, that nice balance between the two. Cause I think it can get out of balance if you get too, too far on either side. But I do think it's like in either one tends to be, at least for me, putting an ad together is like, like building a puzzle where you're um, start with the corners and the edges and start working your way in uh, because that's there's some obvious stuff and there's other stuff where you're just trying to fill in the gaps if it's finding the categories that need you know that need some a boost if it's uh, making sure that I'm, I'm well-rounded uh, for a customer on their shopping list right that if you're coming in for certain categories that I don't care as much about but I want to make sure you know we're here for you um, absolutely and when you gotta, I, don't, I don't know when weather gets in the way or supply gets whatever your strawberry example um, I would say that, I don't know, you're, you're, you're an old produce guy. I think there's a reason that, you know, I started with this, what felt like would, would be a part-time job till I figured out what I, what I was going to do when I grew up. Um, but have you figured it out yet? Have you figured that out yet? <laughs> like, I'm sure like most of us know, <laughs> uh, I, keep, I keep thinking like, uh, just another year I got this, uh, I'll figure it. Um, just hang in there. Um, but the uh, no, but it's that it's the problem solving and it's the feeling like the puzzle is that that picture that you're making constantly changes. And you but you always feel like I can do this. I can I can create I can put in other pieces. I'll rearrange this if my strawberries are out. How are we doing on blueberries? Right. How are we doing on this? What can I you know, how can because that's a nice thing about this if, from a customer perspective on a lot of areas is I can, I can, if I'm good enough and smart enough and creative enough, I can get out of this uh, and I can oh, yeah. I can help. I can help growers. We can help our our partners, and we can even help customers and turn a a, a deficit into a win. Um, but that's the part where you know you got you got to be humming to be able to do that well. Uh, and we, we hit the mark sometimes, and sometimes we just fall down on our face and apologize. Um, you know, from from Sprouts, we offer occasionally when we can't figure that out. We'll off, and even that sometimes we do. I think one of the things that I've always appreciated about uh, this format is offering rain checks. Sure. Um, so if a customer comes in and they, they can't find something, hey, the next time you're here, when we have it, it's yours. Uh, the other thing is if you have it and you uh, and you come in and you take it home and you don't like it, are you just not, it's not good enough, come back. Get another one, get your money back, uh, stand by what we are. And I think, it, again, back to if a customer knows that's, uh, that's who you are fundamentally and you're there to serve uh, and you're there to partner with them, uh, they'll forgive you, uh, when you when you blow it a few times. Not, well, I think not it's a few, a couple times. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, I think I think it, it goes back to being transparent, right? And I mean, that's part of the role yeah. too of, of the buy side and the merchandising side, right? I mean, you you are being transparent. You're trying to get out there and provide this service, provide this runway, this easel of, of picture that's out there, and stuff's going to happen, right? We're not dealing, you know, it's not manufactured widgets. It's Mother Nature does what Mother Nature does, no matter how much we think we can screw around with her. It's she's ultimately going to win every time. So <laughs> it it does, you know, truthfully, it does become a serious challenge. So. Building off that a little bit, you know, you, there's so many items out there right now. I mean, I, I imagine you could probably have 800 items inside of your store if you so choose to have 800 items, right? I mean, there's just so many choices out there in this sector. These, I mean, it really is. It's 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 somewhat yeah. in a lot of ways it could be overwhelming. So with 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 that kind of mindset, and again, being a little facetious about 800, but. Uh, you got you got all these new items coming, or different things that are always being, you know new varieties, all this other stuff. How, week to week. How do you rationalize that? How do you sit there and go, well, I've got this red, you know, grape, and now there's another red grape, but what's different about, well, this one tastes like this, and, but they look at, you know, all these other things. How do you rationalize that? Because to your point earlier, <clears throat> you can overcomplicate this really quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and you feel like you're exaggerating maybe with your 800 comments. I did. I took it back. I took it I don't think I don't think you're that far off. Uh, I would say, you know, we're, we're pretty close to moving to, you know, that direction. And I know uh, there's a lot of uh, good retailers out there that have eclipsed that. So it's not it's it's moved to that direction. And it's to your point, it's going that direction. Uh, and some of it's some of it's good and healthy for the industry. And some of it's probably doing what we were talking about earlier as far as cluttering your comp, your the point of what you're doing. Uh, and you're confusing folks and you're probably turning them away from things that uh, they would have other uh, otherwise ad ad adapted to or adopted. Um, so the way we, you know, the way I think is, is goes back, Todd, to um, understanding what you care about from a, from a retailer. Who are you? What is your place in this? And what are the categories uh, that you feel are the areas where you want to make up a, a, be a point of difference and you to, to not only in the competitive environment, people have choices, uh, but but you got again knowing your customer and what what you think they care about or maybe what you think they should care about, um, and I can help them with that. I can introduce them and educate them and build that excitement around a category or an item. I think that we we start there, and that's where I think if you're unclear in that, if you're not crystal clear on that, that's where the more is better concept gets in your way. And and today especially, you you can really quickly do that. So the way we you know we we scripted it out by category of what we mm -hmm. believe what's important to us um, today, what's important, what's going to be important to us or the consumer tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and what do we need to just do good enough on? Uh, and I think so some of those are really hard because the good enough ones uh, feel like you're leaving so much on the table, um, but you have to. The good news with, with Sprouts is we've got lots of real estate. Uh, I got a lot of, we got a lot of room to play with. So I, I, those choices become a little less where uh, I know other folks out there that got a really tight shop. You got to be really good at this um, and make those hard decisions. So that's one. Um, I think you got to know um, from a, a, an assortment standpoint, you got to know how to, how to measure performance, what work, what works and what doesn't. Um, and sometimes you got to be, um, I guess, uh, balanced in that uh, performance reporting. Because we've got today with with all the technology and ability to be able to see all trends and turns and skew productivity. We, we look at that all the time. 
um, and you got to understand. So, and and we've got teams of of analysts uh, that are behind the scenes uh, with lots of lots of of, of advice uh, on you know what you're doing. Usually, it's what you're doing wrong. <laughs> they like yeah, to start there, but right, of course, it's always more fun. Uh, so uh, they'll tell you all those things, right? But you got to evaluate that against what you know in your maybe in your and that this is where experience and and uh, gut yeah, instincts, little, little just, gut instinct, and being yeah. relevant. To the industry, right? Knowing the, the where it's headed, uh, what's cutting edge, all those kind of things, you have to know those things. So it, that what we do, I think, is balancing uh, the categories and the areas where you feel uh, the, the the most um, that are most important to the business. Take risks, lean in, make mistakes, uh, test and learn, and be aggressive in that test and learn mentality uh, and uh, and the tactics behind that. And then uh, the rest would be start leveraging. Um, some, you know, other, uh, those, those analysts and everyone else that can actually use data to help make help you make better and smarter decisions with what you're doing and what's working. Cause sometimes what you, what used to work 10 years ago, right. Or 15 years, 20 years ago when I was a produce manager and, right. and I feel like, Oh, I know this works ah, today. It doesn't maybe, you know, right. I, I need, I need to use some, some data and analytics to do that. Cause that's a problem. Uh, today, sometimes is maybe 10 years ago, I could, I could call a few stores, I could talk to a produce manager, I could have a couple meetings, get on a conference call. And I, I could get a I could get an earful of feedback on what they think is working, what the they're hearing from the customers, what they're doing sure. to help us make good decisions. Um, it's harder to do today. I mean, you probably, you know, you start doing conference calls, and everybody's zoning out doing emails or something else. Uh, and the engagements uh, pretty minimal sometimes a lot of times. And then the produce manager, you call them and they, they, uh, they just, you know, they just finished a, you know, a temporary job at Target or whatever, and they've come over and they've never stocked produce before and they just can't give you the kind of information you need yet. Right. Well, no. well it's like, <clears throat> you know, thinking about what you just said, it's like, you know, America woke up on a Wednesday and figured out how to spell kale. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's hot now. It's like, what? What is kale? Kale's hot. Like, and all of a sudden the whole world changed and it's like there was no kale, but it's now, you know, become a superfood. Right. And, and watch yeah. that. So that pivoting has got to be a part of it. This episode of Toddversations is brought to you by Moxie Marketing, an award winning full service marketing agency specializing in all aspects of the fresh food and produce industry. Let's all get Moxie. Connect with us at getmoxie.com. That's G E T. M-O-X-X-Y dot com. What do you think is one thing, you know, in, in that you've learned in your role that's the biggest surprise to you? And, and, and maybe look at it, frame it up, maybe like, you know, what today, you know, maybe think of me even about what COVID's done, um, you know, in that whole pandemic cycle that you had to live through. But maybe it's more back to like, you know, when you started 15 years ago, you know, what is, what's the surprise out there? Well, I guess I... If- um, well, what comes to mind for me personally, besides, besides hanging out with me on a zoom call, <laughs> surprised that I'd ever still be doing this. Uh, I'm surprised you said yes, to be truthful. <laughs> <laughs> I know you got nothing to leverage anymore. I can't, I can't get a deal on anything. This is, this is freebie stuff. Uh, so, um, personally, you know what I, I, what came to my mind when you, when you asked is the, um, I always assumed because, you know, like a lot of us in this produce industry, I mean, there's a lot that grew up in in agriculture and have been determined since they were probably predetermined since they, before they were born, but been determined since sure. they were young. This is where they were headed. Uh, there's a, probably a lot of us like me, uh, at least I know a lot, that get into this almost by accident. 
and just get hooked in. That was me. And don't and, and stay this was never how you scripted things. Um, I always felt so every level I kept thinking, like I mentioned, the problem solving piece, like there's the mm -hmm. puzzle, like I can get this. If I could just get to that level, I could fix this. I could, I got this right. I could fix these things that seem to be just in your way. Um, you know, if you're a produce manager and you can't, uh, I don't know if it's out of stocks and every single time you go on ad, it seems like the, you know, they keep shorting you. Like if I could just get to the person that's directing the buying, I will fix this. I'm not going to run out of stock anymore. This is so annoying that I have to deal with this, you know, handle every customer complaint personally, because this person can't do their job. If I could just get up here. I, and then every time I, every time I was taking a step up, nope, thought I could fix the, some of those basic things. And right. They are so hard. Uh, and then you get like all these other things added to that that you sure. also didn't realize were broken. Um, and I think that's one of the things is I, that surprised me is how hard it is sometimes to fix some very simple things uh, that it doesn't have to do with elevating a position or a career or some version of what you think is going to be some some power or position uh, it, it always comes down to uh, frequently comes down to the, the individual can you know empower yourself take right. care of you know do you know be it be an advocate fix it that's tends to be rather than thinking oh i know how to solve this i just need to get you know influence above it usually doesn't work for me. The other thing that doesn't work in produce that I haven't found out is that I always figure too, uh, the work-life balance, you know, in this retail and produce industry just always seems like, oh, we'll get, I know I'll get here and we get to go start playing golf with you, start hanging out, like, you know, we'll, we'll travel and go see the the, the pineapple fields uh, in, you know, Costa Rica or go to Hawaii to check out the, I don't know, the ginger turmeric, whatever we could Nope. Nope. It just gets like, it just gets crunched and crunched and crunched. So right. I think that's, I think that's common. It's just one of those things for some reason, I just keep trying to tell myself that, uh, you know, that's going to be the light at the end of the tunnel. And for some reason I keep getting surprised when it isn't, but well, maybe that's, I, maybe, I, that's maybe that's an IQ issue. <laughs> Not a, no, I, I, look life. I, I talk about life balance with my clients all the time. Life balance is a very important right. thing. And I recognize it and realize it, you know, as I've gotten older and, and have done what I've done throughout my career. I mean, you know, I, I, I could look on my Marriott account and see the 1,802 nights that sit there on that account. Right. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I get it. And, and, I, and I've, and I've learned now, uh, because of being a little bit more mature about that process, how important that is. And I drive that message home all the time because a, you're not going to get that time back. You're not going to be able to find that, that airspace any longer. You're going to go back and you don't want to have any kind of regrets, but you've got to be able to, if you want to be effective, you've got to have balance throughout the entire process. You know, yes, I understand how businesses are, are, are busy and they're growing and all these other things. I get that, but you get to be a point, especially in the leadership role that as much as you think you're being effective, you're being ineffective because you're out of balance, right? You know, you, you may be going 100 miles an hour doing everything you need to do during the daylight hours. And then you come home and it's, you know, that's chaos, which directly will affect you the next day or whatever the case may be. So that life balance is really important. I mean, I think that's a lesson that a lot of people, a lot of CEOs, a lot of young executives need to stop and ponder and recognize that life balance is a good thing. And it's okay to take advantage of that. It's okay to catch your breath. It makes you better. Right. Yeah. It really does make and, you better. And surprise, who's the one that, that typically owns uh, get making that happen? Like problem solving of in stocks or whatever. It's it's you. Right. You, you get, yeah. you, you know, 
it's the individual. I've, I've, I've got to figure that out. Right. And I own that. Um, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. This yeah, industry think, is just, uh, there's some really addictive things with it, right. In retail and produce that it's, it's so hard to do that. Sometimes it just, because it does feel, feel good. It does. But, and, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted to talk about the stuff we're talking about today, because one of the cool things about this platform and the people that are coming on and sharing some of these stories is that, you know, you've got, you've got a tracker, you've got something, you've got, there's somebody out there that's listening to you. That's going to be like, Oh yeah, I love that. That's great. That's great. You know what? I am going to apply that or think about that, you know, giving back. And you talked about it earlier on very early on in the broadcast about the word mentorship, right. And mentoring, it's a really important part in life balancing and these things and, and um, grasping some of these concepts that you're sharing and stuff. These moments of pause, these moments to think things through, being simple are really important. So I appreciate that perspective that you threw out there. I mean, I think it's really important that people recognize that it needs to be talked about. It's okay, right? Life balance is a good thing. You, you touched on something earlier, you know, that, that interests me, and that's and that's agriculture technology. And I, I'm a big believer in that we've got to, you know, technology to me, when I think about ag technology, is it, it's not an and or or conversation. It's an and conversation. And it's important. It's a big part of that. So, you know, I know that you guys adapt all the time. You're a big boat out there in the ocean and you guys adapt all the time to emerging technologies and stuff. And, and technology in the produce space is, is taking on from, you know, CA places, all these different, you know, different startups that are out there and stuff like that. How do you look at that? I mean, are, are you, I mean, obviously you're watching those markets and where they are and you're, can you share a little bit about ag technology and what you're seeing, maybe even from a merchandising standpoint? Yeah, and I probably can more uh, share it from a merchandising and uh, retail yeah. uh, perspective, uh, since that's most of my attention uh, for the last number of years. You know what? Um, and and this, uh, you know, my my uh, working for smaller uh, companies, you know, the farmers market formats has always stayed true to you know very traditional kind of more of an old school approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, and and that old school approach, you know, um, you know, used to be just a paper and, and a and a pencil for selecting orders, right? You'd write a pick ticket on a on a piece of paper and hand to somebody, and go, go, good luck. Um, we we moved. The good thing is we moved to Excel. Um, so that's been, that was a huge deal. Uh, but that's not, we've outgrown that. So the, the technology that, uh, is critical today that, that, um, we have to continue to leverage is, is really inventory management and like, uh, mm-hmm. demand planning and forecasting. That's the part is you get, you get so big and so much, right. You mentioned the 800 items. And if we've got, uh, you know, 400, 1200 stores, uh, multiple distribution centers and vendors and relationships with DSD suppliers and local growers and farmers and all this stuff. You have to have a way to make sure you hit the mark uh, on staying in stock and supporting this retail um, teams that are uh, less skilled, less experienced, and some ways less interested than they were, you know, 10 years ago. And I, we've got to support that. The customers depend on it, right? The business and the shareholders depend on it. So, right. uh, Taking advantage of, you know, uh, managing, uh, you know, implementing demand planning systems at, at, at a DC's uh, perpetual inventory at store level, um, you know, we're, we're, we're taking some pretty big leaps there and lots of learnings. Um, and this concept is about as hard, well, produce is hard to do it anyway, right? Because you've got how many different, uh, you know, the, every cantaloupe, whether it's a nine count, 12 count, 15 count, whatever you're going to do, even 18 counts in the old days, selling that through all goes through as one PLU 
but you got multiple SKUs and items at a, at a, that you need to communicate, you know, not only manage at a warehouse, but communicate with growers and farmers around all these different uh, uh, support parts of the business. Uh, and you've got to take that information, somehow connect that one to many and then the many to one and do all of those sure. things. So we're working through that, but that is going to be, I think, critical to our ability to get the fundamentals so we can spend more time uh, on the on the storytelling. Because um, if uh, a lot, you can easily have to get distracted on those things when they're not working well, right? You mentioned the in-stocks on strawberries or whatever example, but mm-hmm. if you're not managing uh, you effectively your inventory positions in your warehouses and your stores in supporting that so that you've got good quality and good turns and good in stock. So that whole fundamental language that the customer is depending on you, right. For all of these things, if you don't deliver against that consistently uh, and earnestly, then uh, you, you better get back to, to the basics uh, and it never allows you to take it to the next level and start really doing things that are right for the customer, right for the business, right for your vendor and grower partners. Mm-hmm. So for us, that's leveraging that. I would say those uh, that all that uh, PI and AI and all those other acronyms that become annoying is what uh, what we're leaning into. Acronym Scrabble, baby. Acronym Scrabble. <laughs> sure. So give me what's 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 exciting you out there today in the space? I mean, what what what's getting you fired up? What's, you know, is there something out there that you're seeing happening or trends that are happening that you think are pretty cool? Uh, you know, kind of on the, on the, on the comment around, uh, you know, taking it to the next level. So you get away from the basics. Uh, if you can, if you can get out of that and get your head above water, um, what's cool today, um, from what I see, at least my vantage point is the, mm-hmm. uh, kind of commoditization of, of the industry, you know, we, we went, uh, you know, and I, I, I kind of, uh, I think was starting when it was all kind of just budding around kind of this move towards, uh, you know, engineering um, all of our growing practices and our seed production, everything around shelf life and um, sales, right, and, and productivity for that uh, from a sales perspective. Combine that with just a um, a move in the industry to, I think, to better compete and earn customer business if it's against e-commerce or whatever, around a real commoditization of item and price. So it, it mattered not where that product came from, how it ate, what was unique about it, what season. You know, I don't care if I'm buying a strawberry in December or June. I want it at this price, and it's just a strawberry. Um, I'm seeing that shift. Uh, I know we're part of this shift, and I'm, I'm would love to be dedicated that in a in a bigger way than I uh, can find time to do that today, but but I'm seeing that happen, right? Where we're able to have com- we're able to get, explore that, you know, if we, we uh, want to do a a plum cot, uh, promotion, uh, and you can now uh, get a plum sickle and a plapple and a plumagranate and a you know whatever uh, and the varieties that you're able to access and actually have like actually get it rather than all being behind the scenes, right? Um, because, you know, there was, I don't know, six, seven years ago, it, everything turned into red plum or black plum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was no conversation around what variety and how does it eat? It was it was like, well, no, it's a black plum and it's 99 cents a pound. Um, so I, I see us the industry moving that direction. I love to be at the forefront of that. And I think the customer, uh, that's the kind of stuff, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to do that uh, on, on uh, you know, on the Internet. And if you're buying, a, you know, groceries delivered to your front door. Uh, to have that kind of understanding and connection to like 
No, you got to understand. The, the, let me tell you how this happens. It's not GMO, and it's it's a, but right. it's a hybridization of this and all these very cool things, and it lasts for two weeks, and it's only right here. And why is this different and better or unique compared to these five things next to it? I think they're ready for that conversation. I think they want to have it. I just got you know we just got to get the people in the stores to know what the heck that is. Um, sure. You know, with the, know what GMO acronym stands for and why this isn't that and all those things. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of lifting, but I see us move in that direction, you know, as an industry, right. I'm, I'm, you know, Sprouts is, is being held to the fire from some good, really good competitors out there doing a, a fantastic job at this as well. So uh, that's what excites me is I, I love that conversation. Cause that's ultimately a, kind of, I think what kept me in this right. um, for a long time. If it's about the, you know, mother nature, you mentioned that. Yeah. Well, it's a, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just saying that's what it's, 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 it should be what it's all about in a lot of ways. Well, you know, it's, you, you summed up kind of almost where we started, right? I mean, you're like, you're like the artist with the easel, right? And you're looking at this as a new experience, a new opportunity, a new way to connect with people, a new way to talk to people, right? I mean, you're talking, you're talking to your customers through your product mix, right? And, and yeah. if you only have, to your point, if you only have a, a red plum out there, it's a, it's a pretty one-sided conversation, but I think it's great. I mean, I agree with you. I think we, I think we're going to have to keep people engaged and excited if we want to change the food narrative, right? You know, and I believe that these varieties that that are good for two weeks um, and taste fantastic and have all this experience, it goes back to my soapbox of their positive cost of food because we're working to increase consumption through other means, but driving them into something positive like these different varieties. I think it's great. I, I, yeah. dude, I love that idea. I think it's fantastic. I commend you for, uh, it's a big undertaking. It's a big undertaking to talk to so many people at so many stores about something that's truly is very finite in its existence, but is certainly worth elevating the game just around that simple red plum. Yeah. And it, I would say it's also goes counter to what your previous, you know, conversation or question was around, around technology and mm-hmm. the innovation there, right. It, and, and expansion and growth and putting all these things, if you could put them on cruise control so they don't fall down. It's so hard to pull that off when you're with all these moving parts and sure. out the growers figuring out how do you get, well, I only have 800 of those and I need 2000. So where do those 800 go? And I've got to tell a story on only part of this division can only get this. And how do you, right bifurcate all these different sales plans uh, without just teams and teams of people, which, you know, businesses are not moving that direction. Um, and, and you know, artificial intelligence at this point isn't going to get us there. It's going to be people that are getting this work done uh, and companies have to respect that uh, and, and um, you know, empower it, right? we got to give people time and resources and, 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 and be dedicated to pulling this off because it does, it is a lot of uh, elbow grease that goes into making this happen. No doubt. You know, one of the things I appreciate about you is that you're very open. You're very honest. You're very straight up about stuff. You know, you, you, there's some tough questions we threw out at you. And I know that, you know, you've been around a long time in this in this space and you've worked your way up. And so your perspective, I I just appreciate it very, very much. And one of the things that, that I like to ask people, you know, when we do these is, to, you know, what inspires you a little bit? What, you know, what gets you fired up? Because, you know, we have to be fed, you know, we have to be sped, fed you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, everybody has to have a little bit of energy put back into the battery. So what inspires you? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, what comes to mind that, uh, you know, keeps my, my battery charged, uh, is my family. Um, 
I mean, I, I've, uh, you know, it's, I guess it's not, not just like they'll, if I say it's like produce, then if they watch this, it could be, oh, really? We're, yeah. oh, congrats. Yeah. Thanks. We, we actually, and then they'll be like, well, actually, work is more important to you. We know you. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but it's, it, it's similar in like, it feels like, it feels like putting a puzzle together um, because you're, you're working every day trying to figure out all these maneuvers and this balance and counterbalance stuff. So I, I get a lot, of, and you, but the reward is instantaneous and, uh, super gratifying. So I get a lot of, uh, uh, I get a lot of inspiration, um, honestly, from, from, from my wife and my two kids. Um, yeah. they, they, they keep me going and they, they've kept me going for, uh, for a long time. I think that's a great answer. What, tell me something that I know you've got some hobbies and I know you like to go out and play a little stick and have some fun, but tell me about your newest hobby you're, you're messing with now. <laughs> you're making birdhouses. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I, I, it's the stick thing because I'm, I'm now at the age where I'm starting to get these injuries that you get them and you don't know what happened. And you're trying to think back, like, I can't move my arm and be like, what? How, how did I do that? Was it was it making dinner? Was it when I like picked up my backpack? Like how? And it feels like you must have like, no, you must have crashed doing downhill uh, motocross. Like, no, no, I think I was lifting my backpack wrong. Um, so the goal, the stick part has gotten uh, uh, on the shelves for a bit here. Uh, but the, um, so I've gotten into, in, uh, and I'm in Arizona. So I, I typically, it's especially this time of year, if it's summer, I, I need to, I need to hide in, indoors. Uh, I got, I got gotten a little bit into woodworking. Um, nice. cause I, I find a nice, um, you know, some of us in this industry, again, trying to problem solve, probably slightly perfectionistic, um, trying to, you know, always make things right. Uh, so that it's good for that because you can take that to levels that uh, you'll ne- and you'll never be happy. Um, so I've enjoyed that part of it. I also enjoy the natural part of it, which is again, I think probably if I could relate it back to produce is cool because you're dealing with things that mother nature created. Uh, and it's not simply uh, what you see is what you get. You got to know all the different uh, the pieces. The, so you got you- to, you got to know what kind of wood, where it came from, all this kind of stuff. Like it is, you can go deep, deep, deep. That's cool. So, for me, like woodworking would be like nailing like two pieces of wood together and calling it art. I mean, what are you doing? Are you, are you in there? Are you making, what do you, what do you make? I mean, you make homemade birdhouses. Are you, are you, are you have, are you, do, do you have a, a shop like on Etsy or something? Are you actually have, what are you doing? No, no. So this is, this is, this is the, this is the, uh, this is the backup plan, right? This is the, so we're just starting here. I'm finally getting to the point where I've, uh, you know, got a garage. So I've got, I've got some, I've got some, I'm starting to build a little bit so of. So you're getting uh, into it. I'm kind of getting into it. I just built a, a dining room. I remodeled the kitchen myself. I mean, myself kind of, I didn't, you know, I'm, but I bought the cabinets, but I put it by everything right. in it, but I did make the dining room table from scratch. Uh, and, uh, you know, so it, it wasn't like there. five pallets. It's not like five pallets you took from one of the stores stacked up. Right? <laughs> we're not like that. that. We're a little better than that. I'm just asking. I'm no, asking I didn't do that. Okay. I didn't go to the store and grab some fixture after a reset and uh, cart it back. Yeah, to the you're, house. you're scratching off Ikea, putting your name on it. I just want to make sure. Yeah, no, no. That was the old days, right? All of my uh, like uh, CD holders and everything was all these fixtures after resets, all these crates <laughs> and baskets. <laughs> my house was littered with this paraphernalia that I probably sh- should have gotten, uh, you know, uh, ticketed for for stealing from the company. I, although, you know. I don't think anyone wanted because it, it had a bunch of mold stuff oh. to it. But yeah, no, this is, I think it's decent. I got a long way I to go. It. There's people to do this for, you know, for real. But if I was going to pick something, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's cool. Well, I, I look, yeah. you know what I think about it? It's, 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 it, it truly, it's like you said, it's like putting the puzzle together, right? 
I think it's yeah. great. I'm sure. I, I think it's. I think uh, it's cool. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate putting. You, I put you on spot a little bit with that one, and I appreciate you leaning into it and sharing with us. All right, let's play. Let's have a little fun. Let's do a little lightning round questions. Have a little TLC trivia. You ready? Oh no! Okay. No, dude, you're playing for cash and prizes. So think about the end of this. You're going to get something at the end. No, you're not. Um, all right, what's your favorite meal? Uh, pizza. Good answer. What kind of pizza? Uh, I like a Any mushroom. Kind? No, 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 uh, no. I like a mushroom uh, sausage and green chili, uh, and like a you know, and uh, like a preferred like a hatch green chili. But I'll take poblano or pasilla, whatever. Very nice. Whatever. What's what's the best place you've ever visited? Oh, this is uh, the best place I've ever visited. Oh, shoot. You know, I would say uh, what comes to mind first, uh, two years ago, went to uh, Glacier National Park. Cool. Uh, and spent a week up there. Um, mind blowing. I, I absolutely loved it. It just felt like it's one of those vacations and spots where you go and all you can think about for the next week is I think we need to move there. I think I need to get a cabin. I think I need to, you know, it's like I'm turning, right. I want to turn into Grizzly Adams and get a get a get a donkey or something. And yeah, no, it. Sorry, the Grizzly Adams is an age reference. You probably get yeah, it, but I got it. Yeah, Jen, yeah, I love. I, I know you got it. I'm not worried. Yeah, he was about fantastic. That. He was fantastic. <laughs> Flannel shirts all day long, baby. What? So, Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, uh, oh, that's good. Uh, how about early Star Wars? Uh, later Star Wars, not that, not not interested. I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I was, yeah. I was young in this, I was young in the uh, mid '70s, so I was, you know, they were, I was, they were hitting, they were coming out when I was like. I don't know, 10 or 11. That, that's, right. that was sweet spot. Uh, lately, man. Uh, and now I, I'd say, so if I had to watch something now, I'll go to Star Trek. I'll, I'll go watch, uh, you know, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. Dave Shatman. You got to love the Shatman. He's beautiful. No, you, I, you can't watch enough of those. No doubt. So. Who's your favorite superhero then? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I guess fundamentally, I like Spider-Man. He's got a good sense of humor. He's, he's playful, takes care of business still. Yeah, I can go Spidey. Spidey's not a bad choice. Yeah, he's not creepy. You know, like Batman has too many, too many, too many of those. Too many things. different Batmans. Yeah, they're just, I don't yeah, feel they're it. Bat, yeah, they're like Dark Alley Batman. It's kind of freaks I me out. I feel like it's not even PC to like him. I'm not sure. Someone, someone's not going to like me if I commit. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. So, you know, A, I want to thank you again for taking time out of your day and hanging out with me a little bit and and, and sharing as you did so openly and candidly. Um, I think you're going to inspire a lot of people, which is something that you've done. You've done for me, you know, for a long time. You're just a great guy to be around, and you've got positive energy, and and you wear your heart on your sleeve. And I commend that. And and you know, you use words like mentor and purpose, and and multiple times in our conversation today. And I think that speaks volumes about you. And I got just one final question. I just want to throw at you really quick. Okay. If you can give a somebody some advice a young person out there again back to the the theme of kind of mentoring a little bit if you can give a young person some advice it's starting out you know in the grocery business the produce business or whatever it would be retail retail food business what would that advice be that's a good one i try not to have crappy questions no i mean you finally did a good job um thank you bless you brother so uh, how about uh how about be inquisitive um ask questions uh, you know, strive for knowledge. I, I find that uh, I think it seems a lot of people, young people today, um, one, they, they, they think they've got all the answers, or at least they, they want to pretend they do. Uh, they think they can find the answers if they don't very quickly. Um, you know, and I think that's just uh, the evolution with technology and smartphones and all that other 
but I find uh, that uh, I, I'm surprised, uh, you know, how how many how few questions uh, folks ask and how they. Uh, I mean, it really, to the point of where people come to, you know, if you're if you're showing them some, uh, well, this is how things work, or this is where that comes from, or this is what a plum cut is. And they, remember, it's not GMO, and I know they don't know what GMO is, and I don't know, and but they won't ask, what does GMO stand for? What is what is what is the difference between hybridization and and uh, grafting, or what? Right. No, right. And, and why, I don't understand why, why an avocado tree, uh, why you, I can't plant an avocado seed and it turns into the avocado I just ate or, or why is it, you know, why do they call it the banana Republic? Um, <laughs> you know, all these things that are like, this is fundamental to who we are. Right. I mean, right, right. I'll have right, conversations right. on sweet potatoes and, and talk about the, you know, the, 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 the impact slavery had on just how, how we call a yam or a sweet potato. It's really interesting stuff. Right. And I would say, so if you're in the produce industry, ask some questions because there's, it's um, incredible how much information and how big of a part this is to not only the retail industry and how we're, but, but I'd say society and economics and big stuff. And it's all right there. And all you got to do is ask. And, and the cool thing is you can find it if you just ask the question. So let's start there. I love it. I can't, uh, you know what you gave a hell of a good answer and you've given a whole lot of other really good answers today. I really, I, I appreciate you. I, I appreciate you taking the time again to come on and hang out with us. I know that you've inspired people by this conversation. I'm inspired by the conversation. I'm inspired by what you just said. I, it's so true. And, and thank you from sharing from your heart and uh, giving of your time and energy back to the industry and mentoring and, and inspiring some people out there. So I just want to say thanks again from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you. I look forward to uh, seeing you face to face sometime whenever in the world Thank allows you. us to do that. And uh, much love to you and the family. And uh, thanks for hanging out and an open ticket. Come on back. Come share with us some more. People are going to want to hear from you. I guarantee it. My so real pleasure. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thanks, everybody, for checking out uh, Todd Versations. We're really appreciative you're here. Folks, give it up for our friend, Andrew McGregor. You all be good with each other. Thanks a lot. We'll see you soon. Take care. Well, a huge shout out to Andrew McGregor from Sprouts. The dude's top notch. You know, he's uh, inspiring. He's got a lot to share. He's got a wealth of knowledge and uh, hopefully inspired you a little bit, gave you some things to think about, made you think maybe about your experience a little differently in the grocery store and, and maybe look at your own experience as you walk in the store. What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What's that store saying to you? How does it relate? Does it touch you in some level? So a huge shout out to him for taking the time to hang out with us. I hope you all appreciate it. We appreciate you. Don't forget to check us out on all the uh, social media sites, uh, Instagram, TLC underscore Todd Versations, Facebook. We're all over LinkedIn. Don't forget our YouTube channel. Uh, the audio version of this is available all over the world and all kinds of different podcast channels. Um, and we really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. Thank you so much. And remember, go inspire somebody today. It's very important. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Be good.